Uh, today, more than one out of three people in the world are worshiping Jesus as God, and it's not because he had an army. It's not because he had some technology or a whole bunch of real estate. It's because he loves people. And when people believe the words of Jesus, it transforms them and then they go and love others and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. That's why somebody invited you to watch this because they want you to experience the peace, the joy, the life that Jesus has to offer. You know, it's funny to think we're all people people. Some of us used to think we were introverts. Maybe you still do, but I think we're all ready for a little bit of social interaction. I noticed this with my own kids. Here's a picture of them playing this last week. They play with these toys called Playmobil. And with their Playmobil toys, uh, they're all little people. And it was so interesting. I was playing along with my kiddos and my 10-year-old mentioned to my eight-year-old, hey, why don't you guys all come over to my house for dinner? And he had a castle set up in another part of the room. And everyone, we all went over there for dinner. So interesting to notice that even kids, as they play, it's about people. Uh, even if you think you're the world's most introverted introvert, I guarantee you the TV shows you watch and the movies you watch, guess what they have in them? People. Right, we love people and Jesus loves people. His movement is a people movement. But we're living in this bizarre time where we're isolated and where we feel trapped. And underneath that, we have this anxiety, we have this uncertainty that we don't really know how things are gonna play out for society or the economy or our own lives. And in the middle of it all, we're all feeling isolated. Can you relate to that feeling? The feeling of just being alone and wondering how is all this going to turn out and just kind of being frustrated like, man, I would just love life to get back to normal. Here's the question we're going to wrestle with today. When you're isolated, when you're overcome with discouragement, I know that describes someone who's watching right now, you're just overcome with discouragement. When you're hopeless about the present and maybe you even look out into the future and it's hopeless what can you do? I mean, I talked on the phone yesterday with the wife of a firefighter here in town. He's been in the hospital for two weeks with COVID-19. She described to me having to leave him at the front doors of the emergency room. And for two weeks, she hasn't even been able to talk to him because now he's on a ventilator and she'll call and she'll talk on the phone and the nurses will put it up to his ear. But she looks at the future and she thinks, you know, what in the world am I gonna do? I don't know where you relate to that feeling. Maybe it's the fact that usually when you celebrate Easter, you're together with your favorite people and today you're separated. Maybe it's that your business is closed. Maybe it's that a loved one is sick or maybe you're watching this and you're sick. I don't know where this describes you, but here's what I do know. This is something we've all got in common right now. No matter your religion or if you don't believe in God, no, no matter any other human uh, descriptors that might normally separate us, we're all kind of in this boat together. And so if we could give a meaningful answer to this question, would you want to know the answer? I mean, if God speaks directly to this question, would you be curious to know what does God say? Well, what we do every weekend at Connection Point is we open the word of God to see what he says about questions just like this one. So let's see today, starting in John chapter 20, the very beginning 
of the Easter story. Now, Easter, you know, is after Jesus, who had claimed to be God, he said he was gonna die on the cross for the sins of the world. He was crucified. And Easter's the morning when he had risen from the dead and the tomb was empty. However, the people experiencing this on that day didn't know that. Did you know that the very first Easter, as the sun broke the horizon, it was a depressing day for the people who had followed Jesus? In fact, did you know there were zero Christians at this moment? There were zero people who believed that Jesus had risen from the dead at this moment. But I love Mary Magdalene's desire for Jesus. Now, Mary Magdalene's a really unique character. You see, we're told earlier in the gospels that she actually had a a demon that had possessed her and Jesus cast that demon out. That might sound kind of weird, but here's what we know. Mary, if that had been her existence, it means she would have been a social outcast. She was probably physically abused. She's someone who had been mocked, who had been hated, who could never find an identity or a place to belong until she had met Jesus a couple years before this moment. And in Jesus, she finally found hope. And in Jesus' other followers, many of whom were women, she found a community. Luke 8 verse 2 describes Mary Magdalene being one of the many women who traveled with Jesus and the disciples, which was rare at that time, actually. But the point is this, Mary Magdalene had found something in Jesus, but now Jesus was gone. It was like in life, she had finally found this one hope, and now that hope was gone. And I don't know where you relate to that right now. Maybe it's that you have believed in Jesus and you feel like he's not showing up for you. Maybe you've never believed in Jesus, but you had hope in your job or hope in your well-laid plans. And now everything just seems to have died. I love this that early on, I mean, right as the sun's coming up, actually before, while it's still dark, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb where Jesus has been buried. And when she sees that the stone has been removed from the entrance, she actually starts to kind of freak out. She starts to lose it. Because her first thought is not that Jesus has risen from the dead. Her first thought is that vandals and looters have come and they've torn the grave apart to steal anything valuable out of there. And it's this moment for Mary Magdalene where even the symbol of the death of her hope has now been desecrated by other people. You know, I love this story in John chapter 20 because every one of these people that we're gonna meet, every single one of them was flawed. Mary, as I mentioned, had a really difficult past. The two guys who put Jesus in the tomb were two kind of rich guys, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they both had secretly followed Jesus. They were afraid to ever say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I know that's some of you watching as well. You're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but when I'm around my friends at college or high school or at work, I'm just, you know, I kind of keep quiet about it. Then there's Peter. Peter had denied Jesus the night that Jesus was crucified. Peter who had said, Jesus, I'd fight to the death for you. And Peter wakes up this morning and it's like a morning after of the world's worst regret. Peter has made the biggest mistake of his life and now his best friend and his hero and his mentor is dead and Peter has no hope. I mean, all these characters in this story, they're just like you and me. They're imperfect and they're impulsive and and they have their doubts. And in this moment, none of them believe yet. I love verse 11. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
Now, I don't know where this describes you right now or where you might relate to this. Just standing there crying. I wonder where has your hope been buried? Have you ever been there where the bank account is empty, but you just kind of keep hitting refresh and looking back because you think if I keep looking back long enough, maybe it'll change. Or maybe you're driving away from a breakup and you keep looking over at that seat that's empty. Or maybe you've lost a loved one. And you just keep looking at that place at the table where they sat. And, and it's this moment where it's like, I just can't believe this happened. And so you just keep looking back and this is where she's at. I mean, she's just standing there and she's weeping. She's just like, I can't believe this happened. Well, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and there's these two angels dressed in white seated where Jesus' body had been. And they ask Mary this, they say, woman, why are you crying? She says, they've taken my Lord. See, she's still not a believer. And if you're watching this and you're like, yeah, I'm not a believer, guess what? You're welcome to join us every single weekend. You're welcome to learn about Jesus. You know what? I used to be a journalist and I didn't believe and it was because of a church-like connection point that I would go and I would listen and I would consider and over time, God made me into a believer. But in this moment, Mary's not a believer yet. She says, they've taken my Lord. She loves him, but she doesn't believe he's risen from the grave. If his body's gone, it means someone must have come and taken it away. And she says this, I don't know where they've put him. I don't know. Aren't those such humiliating words, but such real words when we're just stuck in life? And our kids say, you know, when's school gonna be back in? Or what about this other thing? We just say, I, I don't know. It's completely out of my control. Well, at this verse 14, Mary turns around and she sees Jesus standing there, but notice this, she didn't realize that it was Jesus. I mean, I imagine as she's weeping, her eyes are, are blurry and she's just down and she kind of sees this silhouette of a person and she doesn't realize it's him because the next verse tells us this. He asks, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking that he was the gardener. So she sees this silhouette of a male figure and she just thinks that must be the gardener. She asks him, sir, have you carried him away? I mean, I know it was a dead body. It doesn't get up and walk. So, uh, you know, are you the one who moved him? And if you are, would you just tell me where he is? I mean, she has such a deep love. She just wants to see this body, even though it's dead, of the person who had changed her life. And in that moment, this person who's the gardener, who's actually Jesus, Jesus says to her, Mary. Mary. And she turns to him and, and she cries out, Rabboni, which is Aramaic for teacher. And it's this moment where she hears Jesus' voice and she becomes the first believer in Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the first Christian on the first Easter. Now let's return to you. No matter what you're believing right now, here's my question that we're all asking together. Where you're isolated, where you're discouraged and where you're hopeless, what can you do? Now what does the word of God say according to this story? Here's the answer, you can look for Jesus. Right, Mary was hopeless, but she kept looking. She thought he was dead, but she kept looking. 
And I gotta encourage you today where you just feel like, I feel like quitting, keep looking for Jesus. Don't give up looking for Jesus. Whether you've never believed or you believed and you felt like he's abandoned you, don't stop looking for Jesus. Mary wouldn't have experienced this miracle if she hadn't been so persistent to keep looking, even when it seemed impossible. You might say, John, how do I look for Jesus? You know, I don't see him around. How do I do that? Well, guess what? You're doing it right now. Every time that you join us or watch online here at Connection Point, what we're doing is we are teaching the words of Jesus. And you know what Jesus calls the true church? The church is not a building, by the way. That's why the movement of Christ, it keeps going on, whether there's buildings or not, whether governments like Christianity or not, it never stops. It's the largest movement in human history, according to the Pew Research Center, non-Christian research group. And the point is this, Jesus calls his followers his body. So when he rose from the dead and he said, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place, he said, uh, followers, I'm leaving you on earth to do my work. You're now my hands, you're my feet. When someone needs a hug from me, you're gonna give them a hug. When someone needs resources, you're gonna give those to me. And so while we are imperfect, we're his representatives on earth. And how do you look for Jesus? Well, keep joining us every week. You can start to read his words for yourself. You can start to pursue what he said. You know, he speaks about every area of your life, your finances, your sexuality, your inner peace, your struggles, your shame, your regrets. Jesus speaks about everything you feel, everything you'll go through. Jesus has a word for you, but you do have to choose. Are you gonna look for him? Are you gonna pursue what he has to say? Mary Magdalene is the only person in history who got to have that one-on-one -on -one moment with Jesus and it's because she looked for him when nobody else was. Keep joining us here. We'll teach you how to look for Jesus one week at a time. Well, I don't know if you remember these things called magic eyes. Uh, these came out, I don't know, it must've been about 20 years ago because I was in high school. And I remember when these came out, I was, there was a store in the mall, shopping mall that had a bunch of these on the wall. And let's go to the next one because I'll show you what this is like. If you've never seen one of these, it just looks like a, a, a weird abstract painting. But it does this thing that if you stand up close to it and you kind of cross your eyes and you kind of like go back and forth, you get at the right distance, then you can see that there's actually a 3D image buried in the madness. And I remember when these first came out, I was so frustrated because I was in high school and my buddies, we all went into one of the stores that had a bunch of these that were framed for sale. And they all said, it's there, it's there. And I kept looking at it and I just couldn't see it. I mean, everyone else could see it, but I couldn't. And they said, John, it's there. You're just not looking long enough. Keep trying. I was so frustrated. And I'd go from one to the next and I'd keep trying. And then finally, I kept trying, I kept trying, finally, I'll never forget it because it was blue like this, but it wasn't an eagle, it was a moose. And I just remember this moment where it was there all along, I just couldn't see it. You know, God brought you to this moment to say this to you, he's there, keep looking, don't give up, keep looking for Jesus. Jesus isn't what your parents said about him. He's not a certain political party. He's not a certain nation. He's not even some kind of church that maybe you had a bad experience at. Jesus is, is none of those things. He's bigger. 
And you've got to look at him for yourself. I mean, he made these ridiculous claims. He said that he was God. He said his followers would spread to the end of the earth. He said that he would defeat death. Now, here we are 2,000 years later. Who else in the world is being remembered today by one out of three people globally? No one else. It's the biggest movement in human history. So many things Jesus predicted came true that for me, even when I was a skeptic, I had to say, if I'm intellectually honest, I've got to consider what else this guy said because more people have been impacted by him than by Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Mohammed or anyone else in history. I'd be ignorant if I didn't look for myself at his words. And as I read them for myself, at first they looked like this, but I kept reading them. And one night I had a moment where I said, God, I don't even know if you're there. And if you're not, I don't wanna waste my time, but God, if you are there, show yourself to me. That was such a key moment because the word of God says this to you. It says, if you seek God, you will find God if you search with all your heart. Your search includes your mind. The Christian faith is intellectually valid. It can start with your mind, but it engages the heart. And that was the moment for me where I opened my heart in a way of saying, I'm not gonna lean on this as a crutch if it's not real, but God, I give you permission if you're there. I'm opening my heart, speak into it. And it was after I prayed that, that when I looked at the Bible, it started to look like this. I started to see things that I never had seen before. And then when I would take those things and I'd say, okay, I'm gonna apply this to my desires and to my relationships and even to my career, I started to see God blessing. And I started to see him transforming me and transforming my relationships. This is what God wants for you, but you won't experience it if you give up or if you don't even give it a try at all. When no one else believes, keep looking for Jesus. When you're all alone, keep looking for Jesus. When there's no way out of the situation you're in, keep looking for Jesus. Call out to him when you're laying in bed and you can't sleep and just say, God, I don't even, I'm doubting if you're even there, but but if you're there, would you hear me? Would you help me be a good dad right now? Would you help me in my career? God, I don't know what decision to make here. Talk to him, look for him, reach out to him. When your last hope dies, keep looking for Jesus. I know so many of you have experienced this, but maybe it's been a while since you've really experienced it in a powerful way where you were at a dead end and you looked to Jesus and he did a miracle. Others of you, this Easter, maybe for you, like that moment where I finally said, God, if you're there, speak to me. And I just got encouraged you keep looking for Jesus. You know what else we see in this story? Sometimes Jesus is standing right in front of you Sometimes he's standing right in front of you, even talking to you, and you miss it. I mean, that's what happened to Mary Magdalene, right? He was literally standing in front of her. He's talking to her, and and she missed it. And, And by the way, that's okay. He didn't judge her after that. He didn't kick her out. Maybe he's already been speaking through your circumstances. Maybe he's already been speaking through a loved one. Maybe you just haven't been hearing it yet. You know, Mary Magdalene kept looking for Jesus when it seemed impossible. And as a result, she experienced a miracle. Let me tell you about someone else who's alive right now who has continued to look for Jesus in an impossible situation. 
This is my friend Becky and her husband, Kevin. Kevin's a firefighter here in Brownsburg, Indiana, where our church is located, headquartered, really. And Kevin and Becky are an amazing family. Their son, Aiden, has special needs. And if you're ever here on a weekend when the doors are open, you'll see him running around if you're here. Just a dear, dear family. Kevin had served in the Navy for two tours. Then he became a firefighter. And he's one of these guys, he just loves to help people. That's like why he gets up in the morning. Well, Kevin was so busy as the COVID-19 crisis began, going on 911 calls as a firefighter, helping people who had these COVID symptoms that he caught it in the process. He caught it and about two weeks ago, Becky had to leave him at the front doors of the emergency room. And pretty soon after he went in, he got put on a ventilator because his lungs were failing. Soon his kidneys started to fail. So ventilator plus dialysis. Soon his heart started to weaken and his heart is still in AFib. In other words, it's not beating at quite the right rhythm. Talked on the phone yesterday with Becky and I was so inspired by her faith. She said, I know God is in this. I know he's gonna heal my husband and I know he's gonna provide for me. And as I've gotten to know Becky, I've learned that she lost her job as a result of this crisis. And so for her and her kids, not only is their dad and husband in the hospital, but they're wondering, are we gonna have to sell our house to make ends meet. Becky and I cried together on the phone. We prayed together on the phone. I reached out to a family in our church and I said, I really think as a church, we gotta do something for this family. And they said, what if we put up $10,000? And what if we said, we wanna give $10,000 to Kevin and Becky to get them through this time. If the congregation will match that dollar for dollar, then it'll be $20,000 given to this family. I said, absolutely. I know our people would love to do it. And so I'll give you instructions later when we have our giving moment if you want to be part of that. But here's my point. Becky has continued looking to Jesus when it seems impossible. We as a church have come alongside them emotionally and spiritually, and now we will come alongside them financially. We will be praying for God to do a miracle, and Lord willing, I will update you next week. And Lord willing, we'll be able to celebrate that God has healed Kevin. But here's the thing. Becky has continued to look for Jesus in a situation that seems like hope is lost. And here's what God wants you to know today. If you will keep looking for Jesus, Keep looking for him when all hope is lost. That's when you experience the miraculous. I mean, when Becky gets the call from us or watches this message and realizes, oh my goodness, $20,000, she's gonna realize, like, wow, that's the first miracle. The best miracle is gonna be God healing Kevin. And you know what she said as we prayed together for Kevin? She said, John, don't just pray for his healing that his life is restored. I mean, I'm praying for that. But she said, also pray that God gives him the strength to be a firefighter again after he recovers because that's what Kevin lives for. So you guys can join me in praying for that. If you, wherever you're going through a hopeless situation, if you'll keep looking for Jesus, this is what faith is. Faith isn't, oh, I see it and it's all explained and it's all lined up perfectly. Faith is Mary Magdalene showing up and just saying, I don't even know, I don't think he's even alive, but I just have to seek him. 
Keep looking for him. That's when you experience the miracles in your life. And even if you don't see him at the first, he might even be there talking to you like he was for Mary Magdalene. You might not see him, just keep looking for him. So inspired by another couple in our church that was also struggling with COVID-19, Julia and Joe. Uh, these are their most recent Facebook posts. Joe got COVID-19 first and was on a ventilator, was in a situation very similar to Kevin. Julia for a long time didn't have it, but then she got it and she was in the hospital as well. And we as a church family, every Tuesday night we gather and we pray together for those who are sick in our church and in our community. And we're praying specifically for a Passover, a, a divine protection over our people. And praise God in our community, our hospitals aren't yet out of supplies. We know God's gonna keep answering these prayers, but it's been so inspiring for me in the last week to see Julia become healed and then to see Joe get off the ventilator and out of a coma and to see Joe himself right on Facebook, just remember, no matter what you have going on, God is bigger and better. First thing is he wakes up from his coma. That's what he's saying. They kept looking to God. Now I want you to imagine something with me. Okay, I want you to, to go with me on a little trip to a ranch in Montana, okay? Here's what the lodge looks like. All right, and here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to pretend that you've got a rich uncle. Not just like kind of rich, but like really, really rich. And this really rich uncle, he knew that COVID-19 was coming. And not only is he rich, but he's also generous and he has vision. And so he, here's what he decided. He said, I know covid 19s coming. I know everything's gonna get locked down. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna buy this ranch in Montana, thousands of acres. And it's gonna have this big expansive lodge with all these beautiful rooms in it. And then I'm gonna send out an invitation to all my nephews and nieces, of course, all my kids and grandkids. And by the way, you can invite your buddies, you can invite your friends because we're all gonna gather here before the crisis. And there's ATVs and there's go-karts and you can go fly fishing and there's Netflix and you know, it's gonna be like a giant family reunion. Everyone you wanna be with will all be together and for you know, however many months while the world's going crazy and people are fighting over toilet paper and everyone's getting depressed because they've never seen their friends, we're just gonna be on an extended family reunion. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> what a scenario. I mean, I would love it. Do you know that Jesus knows that there's a crisis coming that's bigger than COVID-19? Here's what he says. My father's house has many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. He knew that we'd go through difficult times in this world. He said, when you go through hard times, you know, it's okay to be sad. It's not unspiritual to even be depressed, but don't let trouble overtake your faith because you've believed in God. Like the vast majority of the world population, you just know there's a God. And Jesus says, believe in me the same way. In my father's house are many rooms. It's a mansion. And he said, I'm going there to prepare this amazing getaway so that when the real biggest crisis of your life, that is the end of your life, when you breathe your final breath, when that crisis hits, 
You won't be running around wondering, what do I do? What happens? But you're gonna know I'm on my way to my father's house. You know, Jesus sees what's coming and the reality is a hundred years from now, this body that you're looking at, it'll be isolated and alone, buried in a sealed box, six feet under the ground. And yours will as well. And here's the thing, Jesus sees that crisis coming and Jesus doesn't want you to be alone. When your body and mine are buried six feet underground, he doesn't want your soul to be alone. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to be with your loved ones. This is why he laid down his life on the cross to willingly pay the price for this great eternal family reunion at this great resort that we call heaven or paradise. You know, this temporary isolation of COVID-19, it's a small picture of the eternal isolation that all of us will experience if we're not reconnected to God. You know, isolation happens in our lives because of sickness. Even when we're healthy, isolation happens because of sin. We wrong the people we love, we lie to them, we betray them. And then isolation happens because of death, that the people we love pass away and eventually will pass away and leave behind people who love us. When Jesus went to the cross, he willingly paid the price to forgive every one of your mistakes and mine so that where there was isolation in our relationships, they can start to be restored. He willingly paid the price so that death for us is not the end, but a gateway into an eternity with the God who made us and the people we love. You know, there's pain in our lives right now and pain when it speaks, we're tempted to just numb it out, to medicate it. But when pain speaks, there's always a reason. I experienced this this last week because I woke up and our dog, our dog is half lab and it was just barking. It was outside, but it was barking so loud that I could hear it through the windows and it just would not stop barking. I mean, I'm used to the dog kind of, you know, barking at the mailman or when someone walks by with another dog, but it just kept going and going. I got so frustrated with our dog. I finally run down the stairs. I run outside. I'm like, what's going on? Why are you barking so much? And here's why. Here's what our dog was barking at. There was this little bird. I think it's called a starling. I think it's a starling. And, and there had been a storm the night before. Somehow this bird got washed down the gutter. And I just want you to imagine for a moment that you're this little bird, right? Going about your life, huge storm hits outside of your control. In the storm, you just get pulled along by currents bigger than you. Everything goes dark and you go down. And then finally, as the sun comes up, this bird finds a little bit of sunlight in this gap of the gutter. And this bird, it must've just kind of wiggled its way and it gets its head out, but it can't get out. And then this huge dog comes and starts rah, 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 right on it. It's kind of how we feel, right? Like this storm of COVID-19, this darkness, these things beyond our control that you've got a business that you love that you started and you're not allowed to have the doors open. You're not allowed to meet with your clients. And we're all just kind of like sticking our heads out. Like, how do I get through this? How do I even make it through this? Well, let me show you how it turned out for this bird. And you're welcome to mock me because who else when they're rescuing a bird has their wife recorded on an iPhone? Only a pastor, 
only a pastor. But go ahead and take a look. Let's see how it turns out for this little bird. Look at that purple on it. It's beautiful. Here, come over, come over like over my shoulder. It might be too hard. You might have caught a little yell there from Mel at the end when the bird flew away. I got to admit, I I am an animal lover, so I'm kind of a a softie. But when we pulled this back and you can see his feet down here and his body was kind of misshapen from the gutters, I I, I was starting to think, "Ah, this guy's probably not going to make it. We're going to be having a little bird funeral in the backyard. And then all of a sudden he took off. It was the most beautiful thing because I've been thinking about Jesus' death and his resurrection. I've been saying, God, how do I explain this to people who are so hopeless and people who've never believed and people who believe, but they're so lonely? I mean, I had even been praying, God, give me a picture, give me something. And then to see this bird take off and we couldn't catch it on the iPhone, but it flies a good 100 feet to another tree. And it's like back to life. I mean, it's saved. This bird is saved. It took someone more powerful. It took a force outside of itself to pull away that gutter. It's not very big to me, but it was undefeatable. It was hopeless to the bird. Here's the thing where pain has been barking at you. And you're like, I just want this pain to go away. I want this anxiety to go away. I want this fear about the future to go away. That pain is telling you something. That pain is telling you that all of us will breathe a final breath eventually. That this world is not our home. That you are much more valuable than a bird. You're made in the image of God. You have an eternal soul that will live somewhere. And Jesus loves you so much. He wants you in his house. He wants you with him. This is why Jesus said in John chapter three, God so loved the world. That includes you. God so loved the people of the world that when he saw us trapped in a gutter, he didn't just walk away. He didn't say, well, they're birds, who cares? He could have, but instead he gave, right? I mean, what did I give to rescue that bird? I gave about five minutes of my day. What did God give to rescue me and you? He gave the suffering of the cross, emotional rejection, physical torture. He absorbed upon himself the consequences, the justice for every lie I've told, for every mistake that we've made, for all the world wars and all the genocide and all the evil of humanity. He took it upon himself so that whoever believes in him will not perish. Whoever believes in him a hundred years from now, your destination is not six feet under the ground in a box. A hundred years from now, your destination is paradise. Just like that thief on the cross next to Jesus had lived a terrible life, hadn't cleaned himself up, but he believed that Jesus is God and he trusted in him. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He wants you to know today that you have eternal life. Keep looking for Jesus. Let me close by just asking you to look at this verse and fill your name into these blanks. For God so loved Katie. For God so loved Erica. For God so loved Sean and Bethany and Jose. 
For God so loved Sue. For God so loved DeAndre. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. So that if you will believe in him, this belief, it's not like a test you have to pass a hundred questions. It's just saying, God, I call out to you. I don't see you, but I, I need your help. I want your help. I want your eternal life. Jesus, I do believe that you're God. I don't understand it. I still have doubts, but I just, I choose to believe. That's how it started for me. And I mean, my goodness, what a journey it's been with Jesus. He wants you on his team. He wants you in his family so that you will never perish, but have everlasting life. Let me pray that for you right now. Father, I thank you that you sent your son fully God to become fully human and to willingly take upon you all of my mistakes, all of our mistakes. Jesus, would you help us to keep looking for you? Help us to keep looking for you when we can't see you, when we can't hear you, when it's hard. Can we keep looking for you? God, be with our brother Kevin in the hospital right now. Lord, heal his lungs, heal his kidneys, heal his heart. And God, for every one of us watching, reach into our souls and heal our spiritual hearts. That we'd open our hearts to you, that we would believe today. Give us the gift of faith. Lord, that a hundred years from now, we'd all be at that awesome ranch that you've got for us, paradise. Jesus, your grace, it's undeserved forgiveness. It's amazing. And it's what we celebrate this Easter. In your name we pray, amen.